Welcome to the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution Show with Ralph Sanchez. Ralph's background includes 25 years as a clinician and functional medicine consultant, and he is the best-selling author of The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease. Ralph's mission on this show is to bring you the trailblazing information and science that enables you to live younger, longer, and protect yourself and your loved ones from cognitive impairment and dementia as you age. Welcome back. This is Ralph Sanchez, your host of the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution podcast, and this is episode number three. Now, as promised in my previous episode, this podcast is number one in a special podcast series that I am publishing here for the very first time. These podcasts were recorded about a year and a half, almost two years ago, and I titled it the Think Ahead series. I produced this series with Susan Brender, who you'll hear on these Think Ahead podcasts. She was very interested in the topic herself and wanted to provide these to her audience. Our goal and intention for the Think Ahead series was to make available an in-depth overview as to the causal and associated risk factors linked to Alzheimer's disease. Indeed, a very vast topic and one that I'll be covering over and over again here at the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution podcast. Now, there will be about eight or nine more Think Ahead podcasts to come in this series in the coming weeks, and I'll be covering some fascinating details about what triggers late onset Alzheimer's disease and what you can do to control your risk for it. So please do look for them. Now, in this first Think Ahead podcast, I provide a differentiation between early and late onset Alzheimer's disease, the toxic proteins associated with the disease process, beta amyloid protein and tau protein, and the common age-related risk factors that can trigger the disease process of vascular dementia and Alzheimer's disease as you age, a subject that I cover in depth in my book, The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease. In this podcast, I also share a bit of my story, which includes my concern with my regard to my own risk factors and potential risk for dementia later in life, all of which inspired me and led me on a journey into healthcare and my own integrative medicine clinic back in the 90s. So you'll hear in Susan introduce me as we get started now. So here we go. Hello and welcome. This is Susan Brender, and I have the pleasure of being here today with Ralph Sanchez as we kick off a very special podcast series. Apart from his extensive experience with functional nutrition and medicine, Ralph is the best-selling author of The Diabetic Brain in Alzheimer's Disease and will soon have his second book, The Improved Mind Diet, published and available on Amazon. Now, this is the first podcast in an extensive series we have planned entitled as Think Ahead. And in this Think Ahead series, we will be covering the vital science-based information that will guide you on how you can reduce your risk for Alzheimer's and dementia 
as you age. So please take it away, Ralph. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for helping to facilitate the Sink Ahead series. I'm really looking forward to all of it. And this is show number one. So what I'd really like to do in this first show is is to lay a foundation to start clarifying some terms that are often used in Alzheimer's disease that I see people misuse at times and misunderstand. So what we're going to do today is talk about some basics so that we're laying a good foundation. Then in the subsequent shows, we're going to do a much, much deeper dive and get into a lot of the nitty gritty around what Alzheimer's is in the brain with all the fascinating metabolic and biochemical components to it that are part of the disease process. And we're going to be talking about hormones and why women have a bigger risk. So we have a lot planned, including nutrition and supplements. But in this first show, I want to cover some very, very basic elements. And the first thing I want to clarify is the use of the word Alzheimer's disease, because we're really talking about two different types of disease processes. And one of them is referred to early onset Alzheimer's disease. And the second, and really the one that we talk about most of the time, is late onset Alzheimer's disease. And I'll explain the difference between the two. It pretty much is uh, described in the uh, terms for both, but there's actually a little bit more to it. Now, in early onset Alzheimer's disease, the disease process comes on earlier in life by 60 years old, and it can happen actually in your 40s. Usually it happens in 50s for many individuals, but there's no precise timeline for it in that regard. But early onset Alzheimer's disease is pretty much a genetically determined disorder. In other words, if you have the genes, you are going to get Alzheimer's disease. It's pretty much written into that code. And it's going to happen before the age of 60. And that's why they call it early onset. Now, genes play a huge role on that. But the research is going on. There's a very famous research on a Colombian family. For people that watch EBS, they may recall the overview of that study that's ongoing about a Columbia family. Everybody in that family is destined to have Alzheimer's disease and does the early onset form. But the interesting thing that they're finding about that family and actually many families in the same Colombian region located in the city of Medellin and the surrounding villages is that apart from the specific genetic mutation they identified that predisposes all of these people to early onset Alzheimer's and dementia is that there are several other variables, including other genes that determines the time of onset for cognitive impairment and dementia and many of the other characteristics of the disease process. Now, an interesting side note about this Colombian region with so many families and carriers of this genetic mutation is that the mutation was brought into the area by a Spanish couple 
that settled there in the early 1700s. So this is a very sad scenario for many families there, and one that has been repeating itself for centuries now. So in essence, these families are a large and living case study that allows for young children in the families to be studied, as well as the ability to monitor the carriers of the various genes and other risk factors they are studying. Now in late onset Alzheimer's disease, there's a couple of important issues around the aging process. And that is that Americans after the age of 65, one in 10 are diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And that increases with aging. After the age of 85, that can be as much as four out of 10 people. So in late onset Alzheimer's disease, aging is a huge component, but there are many, many other risk factors that we'll be talking about in subsequent shows. And a little bit today, I'm just going to do like a broad brushstroke overview of Alzheimer's disease. But I wanted to really clarify early onset Alzheimer's disease from late onset Alzheimer's disease, because late onset Alzheimer's disease is the vast majority of Alzheimer's cases. Uh, 95%, if not more. And you'll see different statistics around that, but it is the vast majority. And it's the aspect of Alzheimer's disease that most people refer to because there are so many factors. It's called a multifactorial disorder because there are many moving parts as to why one person will get Alzheimer's disease and another person may not, and they may have, say, the same genetics. So genetics can be a huge component to all of this as well, too. We'll be talking about the major genetic risk factor for Alzheimer's disease, which is called the APOE4 genetic variant, and that's a variant of the APOE gene. As a matter of fact, and we'll be talking more about this, it's that understanding in my personal history, which I won't go into a lot because we're going to be talking about that in other shows too as we weave in throughout all of this information in and out of it. And also I extensively talk about that in my book. It's the first chapter called My Story. Nevertheless, it was... The awareness of my personal history, my unique personal history around pesticide exposures and a documented mercury body burden, which just means that mercury accumulates in your body and your brain. And also I had a severe brain trauma when I was a young man. And all of those are risk factors. So the neurotoxins like mercury and pesticides and brain trauma, all of those are risk factors. And about 15 years ago, I started to realize that I had put myself into trouble in another way because of a urinary tract blockage that I thought was a prostate problem. And that caused me a world of problems. Thinking it was a prostate problem, I thought I could manage it. But what actually was going on 
is I had a urinary tract blockage, which looked a lot like the prostate issues that men have with the uh, difficulty of urination and frequency. And, and I thought, well, I can manage this and I'll get to a more serious intervention soon. But I let it go too long. And then I realized it was a urinary tract blockage and it caused what's referred to as renal stress. So my kidneys had been stressed out for many years. And that caused a lot of problems in terms of inflammation in my body. And that chronic inflammation over the years actually caused metabolic problems. So my blood pressure went up, my fasting blood sugar went up. And doing some blood tests, I realized that there was something more serious going on. And as a matter of fact, uh, a blood test when I was checking on myself, I showed that I was in this renal stress problem. And then I finally went to the urologist and he said, Ralph, you don't have any problems with your prostate. He did a quick check and we did an ultrasound and there we found the blockage. But the lesson, the takeaway there is that you can have problems related to chronic inflammation in the body that will drive issues elsewhere that will kick up your genetic blueprint and cause you to go into a certain direction that is not good for your health. And in my case, I was pushing myself into metabolic syndrome, which is the high fasting blood sugar, the high triglycerides and the hypertension. And what I write about in my book, The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease, is the fact that chronic inflammation in the body and things like metabolic syndrome and diabetes and obesity and hypertension, those are all the main risk factors for Alzheimer's disease, particularly in the aging process. Now, there are many other aspects to Alzheimer's disease. And again, as I mentioned earlier, the risk factors that we'll be covering later on are going to be more detailed around all of this. And also the fact that Alzheimer's is characterized by some specific lesion. And I'll never forget when I started my research, which was back in the late 90s around this, and it was my personal history, and discovering that the APOE4 genetic marker was one that was easily tested for. And I thought, oh my gosh, why aren't more people talking about it? Because back in the late 90s, they weren't. And the interesting part about that genetic variant is that it is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, and it was being used quite a bit for that. And uh, so I thought, well, gosh, you know, a cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's disease, a genetic variant for it, this is fascinating information, and I think it should be out there a little bit more. And that was really a trigger for me. I decided that I was really going to dive into the research, and I was just so captivated by it that I decided that was going to be my path in terms of an expertise platform that I wanted to develop and books that I knew I had in me. So that's kind of a little basic background around all of that. But what I was about to say was that back then they were arguing in the literature, the research, whether the amyloid plaque 
or another lesion. So amyloid plaque is one lesion. Another lesion is related to another protein because amyloid is a protein. And so is a tau a protein. There are problems associated with it that can lead to what are called tangle. Ralph, I have heard that these proteins are linked to Alzheimer's, and I want to know more. Well, thank you. And I think what I just mentioned, the fact that amyloid plaque and neurofibrillary tangles are the signature lesions associated with Alzheimer's disease. And we're going to talk a lot more about that in the ensuing shows. As a matter of fact, in the next show, I think we should dedicate our show largely to what amyloid is, because I make a big point of that in my book, Beta Amyloid Protein and the role that it plays in Alzheimer's disease. And it's a very, very important discussion because as opposed to the early literature that I referred to where amyloid plaque and neurofibrillary tangles were being blamed as the cause of Alzheimer's disease, what we know now and what the research has gone on to develop in terms of an understanding is that those are the lesions that form in the more advanced component of Alzheimer's disease. And they're very toxic, obviously, but they're not necessarily the cause. They're part of the disease process. And that's what I want to distinguish because these proteins are natural constituents of our brain function and structure. And they actually play a very important role in terms of the cellular structure and how it facilitates the conveyance of nutrients and the mitochondria throughout our neurons, our cells in the brain, which play obviously a very important role in maintaining function and that structural component too. It's kind of like what they call a cytoskeletal structure, which just means the structure of the cell. But these proteins are fascinating in the study and that's what really got me going to understand all of that because they're talked a lot about in terms of Alzheimer's disease but there's so much more to it other than just the lesions. It's what happens early on in the disease process. So as I've talked about here and touched on several times Alzheimer's disease often is referred to, and the main risk factor often is implicated in Alzheimer's disease as aging. Ralph, can you tell us more about what is considered to be normal cognitive decline in aging versus a disease like Alzheimer's? Yes. Well, thank you for asking that, Susan, because as I've mentioned several times and what often pops up in the literature is that the greatest risk factor for Alzheimer's disease is aging. So as I mentioned earlier, after the age of 65, your odds increase that you may be afflicted with this disorder, you know, from one in 10 after the age of 65 to four and more out of 10 after the age of 85. So aging is a component to all of this, no doubt. But it's what happens in aging. It's not just aging alone. So we're not destined 
to get late onset Alzheimer's disease if we have those genetic variants. It's because of a lot of other factors that are constituents in the aging process. And the ones that I touched on that I speak about in the book quite a bit, again, are the issues related to aging, which are all about diet and lifestyle and toxicity in our environment. But the diet and lifestyle patterns that people ignore which leads to diabetes and obesity and cardiovascular disease and hypertension. Those are the major components in aging that actually really trigger your risk for Alzheimer's disease. And what I saw in 2005, six and seven, was research pop up around the relationship of insulin, which is a main focus in my book. So in diabetes and type 2 diabetes and in metabolic syndrome, there is insulin resistance that characterizes the disease process. And that's why we have issues related to those disease processes because insulin isn't functioning like it's supposed to in terms of glucose metabolism. But what they saw in this early research going back now 15 years is they coined a type 3 diabetes because insulin also plays a very important role in the brain. And they saw that insulin resistance patterns in the brain, which are different than the ones we have in our body. But nevertheless, they coined type 3 diabetes, which I make a point of in my book. And that really got me going. And over three or four years of looking at that research, the light went off and I decided, well, this is going to be my book because I really started to put two and two together with all the research I had already done in previous years around amyloid and tau protein and some of the other factors. And by 2005, when the type 3 diabetes hypothesis arose, you know, the components around diet started to really surface quite a bit. And there was a lot of research surfacing that diet could actually play a significant role in not only protecting your brain, but also increasing the risk for it if your diet was really bad. And back then, they focused on things like saturated fat and having too much saturated fat in your diet. But that's we'll have that discussion because that's a a huge component of all of this, the nutrition part of it. Nevertheless, with all that emerging research in the early to late 2000s, it was really getting very, very progressive. We were entering a new age of Alzheimer's research in terms of understanding a lot of various aspects of it and possible risk factors that could be controlled, like your diet and diabetes and heart disease and lifestyle factors. So all of that was really a very promising and what now is a very robust research around the way that we can manage this to the point where there is real hope in prevention. 
And what you asked me about, Susan, as far as the aging process around all of this is particularly important because what we now know is that Alzheimer's disease has a 20 to 30 year timeline. And that means if you look at somebody developing Alzheimer's disease, say at the age of 70, well, that disease process started in their 40s and 50s, it really started to morph into a more serious problem, which developed into a dementia pattern as they age and a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease. But the disease process goes on for many, many years, and it progressively gets worse. And in subsequent shows, we'll talk more about that. But in the early stage, which is asymptomatic, meaning no symptoms, it's called the preclinical stage, the disease process starts. And we actually know now that there are ways to actually start assessing individuals in the earlier stages of Alzheimer's disease before it's a more serious problem and that it possibly can be reversed in those stages before it gets into a serious dementia problem, which cannot be reversed. So those are things that we'll be talking about in subsequent shows. I'm really excited about all of this, and I look forward to more of this with you, uh, Susan and the rest of the Think Ahead podcast series that we have planned. Ralph, what is in store for people listening in our next podcast? Well, in podcast number two of the Think Ahead series, we're going to dive uh, deeper into amyloid protein because, as I mentioned, it's it's a fascinating story and one that people really should understand because it's not just about amyloid plaque. It's about a much bigger story around amyloid protein and what happens early on in the disease process that's related to insulin and diabetes and uh, other factors. So really looking forward to developing that story and talking more about it so that people have a much clearer idea about what Alzheimer's is all about and we'll be talking about again all the risk factors and how we can actually control these risk factors so that we're not thinking that late onset Alzheimer's disease is inevitable just because we ate. That was great. That was interesting, really. Thank you, Ralph. It's Susan Brenda here, and I really appreciate you participating in this. This has been an interesting experience for all of us, and I want to say thank you and It really is. Yes, and thank you again, Susan. So, so appreciate your helping me develop this. Very, very grateful for that too. And I'll be talking to you on the next show. You got it. Thanks for listening to the Alzheimer's Solutions Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and subscribe wherever you listen in to your favorite podcasts. Share with friends and family on your favorite social media channel, such as Twitter or Facebook. 